0: No matter where you're at in real estate, whether you're brand new or you think you're like the top of the top, there's always somebody behind you coming up, and there's always somebody ahead of you that you want to head to, right? So you have to always know that because no matter like where I'm at right now, I'm always helping people that wanna have that have zero deals.
1: You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host. Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. We Love Equity
2: Show is brought to you by Azria, widely recognized as an outstanding resource for real estate investors with exceptional education, networking, and support, along with profit-enhancing benefits and all aspects of real estate investing. Visit Azria at www.azria.org. That's visit Azria at www.azria.org. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome. We Love Equity Real Estate family. How are you guys doing today? Today, I have a very special guest. I have Jarius Dwyer, who hails from Cincinnati, Ohio. He's a Midwest boy, like I'm a Midwest boy. He's just a couple of states over east from Illinois, where I grew up from. And he has started real estate investment about 10 years ago. So we're going to take a moment and go through his journey, because I want you all to understand where you start does not necessarily mean where you need to end so if you started in one aspect of real estate doesn't mean that you need to stay in that area or in that sector so we're going to take some time with Jarius today we're going to talk about a few different things so Jarius man how
0: are you doing today? I'm doing awesome man just uh, hanging out the office trying to get a couple projects wrapped up and uh, start the week off right. All right man thank you for
2: being here man thank you for being with us Um, as you guys can hear. I have a little cold, but we're gonna push through and we're gonna get everything done because me and Jerry's—we've been trying to do this podcast for a couple of months now, and but now is the right time. So, God willing, we're gonna make it through it. So, Jerry's, tell us, man, give us your background. What did you do before real estate investing?
0: So, I mean, I've done—I've done everything. So, I'll, a little background about uh, my high school and everything. So, I graduated high school in two thousand two. And I was not a good student, right? I, I felt like I tried. I, I thought that I, you know, applied myself. And I did really good in, like, business classes, went to state uh, state championships, state tournaments for different kind of entrepreneurial things. But at the end of the day, I got my transcript, and my GPA was a 1.53. And I graduated wow. three hundred and eleventh out of 320 kids, nine from the bottom. So I was doing an exit, an, uh, exit uh, uh, just an exit thing with my guidance counselor, right? At high school, and he asked me what I wanted to do after high school. So I said what everybody says, right? The right answer. I'm like, I want to go to college. And he looked at me and he's like, Well, do you have any more, more realistic expectations? So I was like, Man, I was wow. Like, I guess I can't. I guess I can't go to college. Like, That's crazy. So so I did what anybody would do, and I went, you know, across across the hall and signed up with the army recruiter. So I joined the army for ten years. Also, okay. well, I was in the, actually in the army for eight years. I was in the national guard for eight years as a helicopter mechanic and a diesel mechanic. So, I did that part time in the National Guard one weekend a month. But whenever I had opportunities to go other places, I would go like on any of the missions or any of the um, little deployments or whatever they needed help with as a mechanic, which was it was awesome. It was a great opportunity to learn and make some extra money. But all while I was doing that, I was also in this little thing called network marketing, which I'm sure a lot of us have heard about. It's the big pyramid things. And yeah. I, 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 man, I, it, I got hooked, right? they they explained this to me they're like you get paid on what you do and you are out we're doing a long distance and if you sell this this would happen and you can build a team and I was like I loved everything they were talking about about building a team passive income um getting paid for what I put in and all of that stuff it all just sounded perfect to me it sounded exactly like what I wanted so I I went all in and I racked up about $80,000 in credit card debt and destroyed my credit over about five years. Pretending pretending to be like this amazing network marketer basically. Right. And all, all while I was just like being, just, just being broke. Right. Think doing everything they said, going to all these conferences, doing all this and that, and it just didn't, it just didn't work for me. Like it just didn't work. So I, I finally was just like, I can't do this anymore. I was getting ready to get out of the national guard and I had a friend of mine who lived in HillNet, South Carolina. And. He's like, hey, man, uh, do you want to come down and live here? I'm going to get a two-bedroom apartment, and I can't really afford it, but I can with a roommate. So I ended up going down to Hilton Head, South Carolina, moving in with him, and uh, and was bartending. So I bartended for about three years after the military, and I, I loved it. It was awesome. It was such a good time. The, the whole island is amazing. The whole place is, is great, but it's just not a long-term thing. I mean, right, right. super late nights and you know drinking every day, Like it just catches up to you. Yeah all in that time, I had a friend in Cincinnati still, I was kind of like watching him on Facebook and we still talk back and forth. And he's like, and he was in network marketing with me. And he's like, man, he's like, you got to come back to Cincinnati. He's like, I'm doing this thing up here. It's, it doesn't cost any, it doesn't take any money. All you have to do is just put your time in. It's wholesaling real estate. You know, you can do it. You can do it. And, and it's about six months, he's been like, telling me like, you got to come up, you got to do this, you got to do this. And I'm like, Oh, whatever, man. Like, this is network marketing. It's never as good as, it right, is, right. as they say it is, right? It's never that never that easy. And then he sent me a picture of a brandy Audi he bought. And uh, and something, and it was like maybe a watch or something else. And I was like, how'd you get that? And he's like, I'm telling you, man, this is a real deal. Like you can really make money doing this. And I'm like, I don't really have any money. He's like, I'm telling you, you don't need money. You don't need anything. So I was finally like, you know what? Let's, let's do this. I'm just going to, let's go do this. So in about about 2010, 2011, I ended up packing up. From South Carolina and moving to Cincinnati, so okay. moved to Cincinnati to start phase one of real estate, right? And whenever I talk real estate with people, I, like when I tell people, like I've been on every aspect of real estate, I'm going to take you through that journey in the next, you know, in the next few minutes, basically. But every single, every single step that I took was so important to getting to the next step, and it taught me so so much to keep me going and to, to keep me growing so i come to cincinnati i have no idea what to expect no, nothing i don't know the city i grew up in canton um about four hours north of cincinnati grew up in canton but i knew cincinnati was like a hot and it was going to be cool you know a good place to be so i get there and he's like this is what we do he's like we're wholesaling houses i was like well, that's awesome i'm gonna do it i'm gonna be the best at it what is it like what is wholesaling? Like, what do you <laughs> so so you do? <laughs>
2: so you moved from hilton head south carolina back to well to cincinnati not knowing what wholesaling is not knowing what you were going to be doing but you just took the risk and jumped out there and did it
0: yeah you had to i mean I, i've seen it i've seen it uh firsthand him making money and stuff and i was super skeptical because i'm like how do you make money not even like selling houses but you're not selling houses and you don't have enough money to buy these like i don't even understand how this works so i'm like but at the time, I was kind of just like burnt out. I'm like, I gotta try something. I gotta do something. Okay. Different. So I get up there, and he's like, and he has like an office now. He's got like four guys there, right, including him. And he's like, this is an acquisition person, and I want you to be a salesperson with this other salesperson, and we're gonna sell houses. So basically, uh, wholesaling is where you find a property that's uh, that needs work, undervalued, that you can put that you can put a little bit of money into, and sell it, uh, and then somebody can sell it. But basically, you don't put your money into it. So let me, let me, let me. Go ahead, take your your time, clarify. Let me me explain that again better. Basically, wholesaling is finding an undervalued asset and then charging an investor a fee for finding that asset for them. So for example, like we'd find a a single family or two family that needed to work. We would put it under contract for $55,000 and then we would sell it to an investor for $60,000. And we would charge like a $5,000 assignment fee. And we would do that 50, 60, hundred times a year over and over again. So basically, and what you'll realize as you move on through, um, through your real estate journey, whether you're brand new, especially for brand new people is that time is so, so important. So I I, mean, right now where I'm at, like, I've got, I've got. Uh, 50 units, about 27 houses and some other stuff we can get into. I don't, I don't want to go look for deals. Like I don't have time. Like I'm gladly pay somebody a reasonable fee to, to find me properties. And honestly, the fee doesn't even matter. As long as the numbers make sense, I don't care if they make 5,000 or 50,000. It does not matter as long as the numbers make sense.
2: Okay. So kind of, so you move to uh, Cincinnati. Tell us about that first deal. How, how did it come about? What did you guys do? What kind of marketing were you doing? In order to find these deals
0: so i'm old school so my very first deal is actually something that uh definitely stuck with me for a while because it kind of gave me like a name in the office i guess but i get up there and the marketing we were doing was bandit signs that was okay. pretty much it for for selling and the finding the deals and acquisitions there's a little bit more too we did but but this first deal specifically he's like you're brand new he's like your best way to build a buyer's list is, is to throw bandit signs and i was like okay and there's just a stack of signs there And I think at the time they were like 60 cents. Now they're like a dollar, a sign for stakes and signs, which is still a deal, you know, Mm -hmm. invest 500 bucks in some signs. But he's like, the more signs you put out, the more houses you're going to sell. And I was like, it can't be that simple. And he's like, yeah, I'm telling you, you put these signs out and you're going to sell these houses. And I'm like, okay, like, what about these other people? They're not even putting signs out. I'm like, like, what are they doing? He's like, well, they're not selling houses. And I was like, okay, let me just, let me me just, let me just take his word for this. So I I wrote 200 signs, um, uh, Handyman Special, Handyman Special, Deer Park, $44,000, whatever it was, with my big phone number on the bottom. 200 signs went out and blasted 200 signs all around Cincinnati. And the first time I did it, it was completely wrong. Because I put 200 signs all around the specific area where this house was. And first reason that's wrong is because... It's it wasn't really like a super affluent area. It was a good area. It was like a good uh good first time mm-hmm. home buyer area, but people in that neighborhood didn't necessarily have an extra 50, dollars $60, $60, to pay cash for that house. Okay. So, so so let me
2: let me let me so you were so this was on the disposition side, not the acquisition side, correct? Yes, yeah. This was okay. on the sale side. Okay, so just so you guys understand, he were doing bandit size. They already had the property under contract, they were looking to sell it, dispo it. So he was putting out the bandit signs saying that they had this property for sale. Okay. Go ahead,
0: Jerry. Yep. So, so then later I learned later, like, it gives in like the next week I learned when I was getting a bunch of phone calls from unqualified people. And when you're wholesaling, an unqualified person is somebody that cannot pay cash. You need cash. They've got to pay cash. When they call and say, Hey, I saw your sign. I saw your sign about the property in Deer Park. Can you tell me about it? Well, great. First, let me ask you something. Do you have your financing lined up ready for this house? And it's almost like a trick question when I ask them that, because I want the, the answer to be, oh, I don't need financing. I have cash. Because basically, right. if they say anything other than cash, they're not going to be able to buy the house. But, well, I ended up just blasting these signs all over where the money is in Cincinnati, right? It's like around 275 loop, where all the people that like work for Procter and Gamble, to sell a lot of people with more money live. So I blasted about 200 signs. So I put about 400 signs in my first deal. And Finally, I sell it. I sell it in my first week, and then okay. made. It, I made. We sold it and the hit. The hit. The profit on it was about eight thousand dollars on that specific deal. Everybody in the office was like, because they knew that that we were friends from before the person on the company, and they're like, "You just gave them that lead," and we're like, "Nobody gave me anything. I, I came in here and put my did the work and did exactly what they said, right. and I put the signs out. So from that point forward, I was just destroying it, doing it." doing like between two to three houses a month, which was really good for me coming from what I was doing and making, you know, we were, we were splitting profit too. So making, making over $10,000 a month within my first, within my first 30 days of getting into wholesaling.
2: Okay. So, so let's go back. So your friend, he has this company, he already has the acquisition team, everything like that. So they have the deals that's coming in you were brought in to help move these deals, to dispo these deals. Okay, yep. so your first, your first deal was strictly a dispo. Yep. Okay, all right. And you dispo the property by using banded signs. Are you, so what has changed now? So, well, before we even get to that. All right, so you were doing, you know, about two to three deals a month, 10,000K a month. What, what happened after that? were you strictly on the disposal side or did you ever go to the
0: acquisition side? I did. So basically what happened about about a year and a half into the working, working with a friend of mine, I was, I was responsible for selling 90% of the houses we sold on the disposition side. And basically something happened. It's a long story, but basically I'm like, Hey, I, I want to take partnership in this company. Like I'm like running everything. I'm training new salespeople. Like it within a year, I'm just bringing people in and helping this, and we just decided it was just better if I kind of left and started my own company. So okay. I ended up starting my own wholesale company with, with a similar structure, but I went and started my own company. And then I became, I, I put together the acquisition side and the sales side for my new wholesale company. Okay. So I did that. That was about two years after. So we did that. And I also, so I would basically teeter on selling acquisitions and then running the company. And a really good friend of mine, Tyler, was an acquisition expert. Like he was, when he came to Find Properties, he was one of the best. And we kind of just stuck to that. Like he really took the acquisition side. I took the sales side. Not to say that I didn't bring deals in because I did, no. but it's just so much easier when you're working with a team and, you know, teams and partners. I always tell people, you've got to have clear defined roles, right? If sure. Tyler could stay and, and live and dominate the buy side of stuff, and I know I could stay and dominate the sell side of stuff, we would be unstoppable. And we were, and it was him and I, him and I basically went on and built a team of about six people and we were finding properties I mean, we were doing MLS, MLS deals that were just listed that we would get to before anybody else. And we had relationships with agents because they knew who we were, that we said we were going to do. We closed everything we said we were going to, we did banner signs, driving for dollars, uh, postcards, stickers. I mean, every single way you could think of to get properties. We were out there getting them, and we were doing over a hundred deals a month or hundred deals a year.
2: So, and- so, so, let's four second Jerry, is because I don't want to gloss over this. So, you left the other company, and you went and started your own, right? Did you have any marketing or acquisition experience? Because you were just primarily on the dispo side in that company, correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so what did you do in order to ramp up to get your business going? Cause you still I, had to bring deals
0: in. Yeah, I did. I did. I, am honestly, so much of, of selling deals really mirrors finding them. There's a, there's a lot of similarities. It's just, you change a few words around, right? Like when I was putting signs out that said handyman special, whatever, or investor special, my new sign said, cash for your house, close 30 days. Right. And my, and then I would always stop. I, I a source of investors that I found really, uh, great way to do it was I would go and find houses with dumpsters in it, dumpsters in the driveway. And this was back when, I mean, still lots of people are doing houses, but whenever there's dumpsters in the driveway, I would go into see a house being rehabbed and go talk to somebody. Yeah. So instead of talking to it, the investor or finding the investor working on the house, I would find the house with overgrown grass, the gutter falling down flat tire in the driveway, you know, mailbox overflowing with letters. And instead of talking to somebody, I would put a sticker on the door or put a sticker on the house. Hey, my name is Jarius, I want to buy this house, pay cash, clo- close, um, close in 30 days, let me know. So I'd sticker it. So I I just took a lot of my sales tactics and just rolled those over into the acquisitions. So okay. that's, um, and people still knew who I was, because also too, I, I had a pretty good reputation for, for selling houses for people. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. All
2: right, so you're having success doing your own thing with your own partner, building your own business. What was next? What was what came after that? So you're you're building this wholesale company, you you're doing about a hundred deals a year. What was next after that? How did you scale to get to that hundred deals a year? Cause it, you know, um, there's a there's a lot of people that's in that, they're in that position right now where they may be a solopreneur. They're doing everything. They're doing the, you know, the direct mail or making all of the phone calls then going out driving a property meeting with the seller then trying to sell a deal how do you go from being that one person to being saying okay well i need to build out this team
0: first i mean you just you just gotta decide that's the route you want to go right and we knew we knew we wanted well i knew i knew basically when i left i kind of want i wanted to have a team of for wholesaling and i i just grinded i worked 80 hours and then And then people see that, right? I connected. I was at all the RIA meetings. I was at all these meetups. I was at all these things. And people were just like, man, Jerry's is out there doing all these deals. He's he's killing it. I just want to be around him. So I'm like, all right, I could use some help. I want you to learn how to sell. So they're like, can we come work for you? And I'm like, yeah, add a piece here, add a piece there. And it just, it happens organically. Just like so much real estate is like you do this business and you're out there working and grinding and things happen. And we're in an industry where we eat what we kill. We don't get paid just for showing up. I don't get paid for, for just driving around and yep. I get paid the money I make today and tomorrow comes off of the effort and the work I put in last month, the month before, three months before that. Sometimes a year before that. So so just being out there and being being active in the business just keeps you really excited and motivated. And people see that. And that's that's contagious. And that's energetic and they want to be around it and they want to be around you and they want to learn because there's no matter where you're at in real estate, whether you're brand new or you think you're like the top of the top, there's always somebody behind you coming up and there's always somebody ahead of you that you want to head towards, right? So you have to always know that because no matter like where I'm at right now, I'm always helping people that want to have, that have zero deals, right? That want to get started. I have no problem helping them. I'm taking under my wing. They come follow me around. But then also on my on the other side is looking up, I have awesome mentors and awesome friends. My really good friends, Nate and Mike, are just buying hotels and doing $100 million developments now. So it's just being just being there and the, and the team comes together. And we wholesale, we had the team about six years together as core group. Okay. And my, my big thing that I take away from that and I'll get into it too. It's like, you now I have a wholesale course, right? Teaching people exactly what I do, what I did and everything. But my thing is, I, like, I want people to not say, make the same mistake I did. I stayed at Wholesale Land way too long. I, I wholesale for six years when I could have done it for like two or three and then moved into being an investor. Because at the end of the day, when I sold a house as a wholesale house, I was unemployed, right? I had yep. nothing. I was back for the next one. And you don't build wealth and you don't grow. You don't grow equity. You don't get any upside. There's no appreciation when you're not adding units, right? When you're not really growing a portfolio. So we wholesaled for six years. And in that span of six years, uh, my really good friend, Nate, who I said is like above me, Nate and Mike were- doing Hold on, Jerry, Let's Let's go all back right, because all right, all right. You, you said something that was
2: very key. And I was like, you could have just wholesaled for two or three years versus six years and really would have been investor versus- doing one deal and then going, doing another deal because that's not truly investing. And a lot of people make that misconception and they believe, well, as long as I'm I'm being a wholesaler, I'm investing. Actually, you're not, you're being a salesperson because if you don't close another deal, if you don't do another sale, you don't eat. Kind of go through that dichotomy, that shift of when you said, all right, the light clicked on and you said, okay, I got to do something different because yes, this is working, we're making good money, but did something happen to where you say, okay, we're maybe the deal flow slowed down or something, or you just said, you know, we got to pivot and we got to start
0: doing something else. So it kind of goes back to my network marketing days, right? Where you look at Robert Kiyosaki cash flow and you know, you've know, you got your business owner, self-employed, and then you own the system. And I, I, I was basically a business owner, right? And, and if I didn't show up and do the deals, I wouldn't get paid. But I really wanted to get on the other side of the cash flow quadrant and get that residual income where mm-hmm. I, you get paid no matter what. So, uh, And I knew real estate was a way to do it. And then I started seeing really firsthand a lot of my investors are, are just buying and holding these properties. And they're buying and holding and buying and holding. And, mm-hmm. and I'm over here just trying to find the next deal, trying to find the next deal. And, and I just knew that I couldn't always be trying to find the next deal. So at some point I needed, I, I needed to just take a better myself. Right. I mean, I, I, wholesaling allowed me so many, so many things. It allowed me to find out what a good deal looks like, yep. where, where deals come from how, to talk to how to talk to the investors. Cause I'm, I'm talking to a lot of investors too, that are lending money to some of the other investors. Right. So I'm meeting people that way and, and learning the lingo and just connected around that, it, it taught me all of these things. And then the biggest thing it taught me was how to get out of wholesale, right? Because I I had yeah. all these people that I've seen doing this, and it just had to happen. It, it, the deal flow didn't slow down. I just decided to turn more into an investor. And my my good friend Nate. So my good friend Nate's like, man, you, you know, you need to be looking. You need to be looking for rental properties. Because at the time, we were wholesaling, but anytime we had a big apartment, they always came from our friends like Nate and Mike, and they'd be like 24 units, whatever. And we'd make awesome money on them. And and, But then some of them, they would just keep. And I'm like, why why are you guys keeping them? And they're like, well, it's good upside. And they they really kind of gave us a little push to get into buy and hold. Okay,
2: perfect. And that's the key thing about having investors that's above you, because they can look at you and say, okay, you're really good at this. But there's another opportunity here for you. And they'll start giving you that little shove, that little push to move you to the next step in your career, which is very, very good. Because if you stay in wholesaling too long, again, you look, how many of those deals
0: you wish you would have kept? So there there isn't a time (laughs) I drive around where I don't point a house out like, man, I sold that for 40. Well, it's probably worth like 190 right now. I sold sold that for, uh, I sold that eight unit. It's just happened the other day. Was an eight unit I sold and I sold it for 110,000 and I made 9,000 on the wholesale deal. That same apartment building is pending on the MLS two day in Cincinnati for 599. Yeah. That's, that's, you don't get rich selling real estate. If you're going to take one thing away from this, from, from all of this, any of the viewers, anybody is you don't get rich selling real estate. You buy it and keep it. You keep it no matter what it's, it's, it's where the wealth is created. It just makes the no most sense.
2: There you go. There you go. So on that note, let's take a brief break. Hear a word from our sponsors. We'll be back with Jarius. And then we want to talk about holding on to that real estate, how you transition into that. So let's take a brief break. Hear a word from our sponsors. and We will be right back.
1: PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with 100 percent coverage across the U.S., PropStream provides a deep dive into any property's specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. Gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to proud.propstreampro.com slash we love it.
2: All right, we are back with Jarius, and Jarius is from Cincinnati. And earlier in the show, we was talking about just and how Jarius got started, and then the light bulb went off, you know, because of some some pushing from mentors, friends, and other people around him, saying, "Hey, why are you getting rid of all of these deals? You need to be holding on to some of these." So, Jarius,
0: tell us about the first property you decided to hold. Why did you decide to hold that property? So my so this situation is a little different. So my my first property is I I so it was a house I was. All right, let me start from the beginning. This is, this is going to take a minute, but we can, okay. you know, we can get into it. So this is the real story. So we wholesaled a house in like an A-plus area of Cincinnati. We sold this house for $140,000 to one of our good repeat investors, and she was going to flip it. In the meantime, she was finishing up another house in a really nice part of Cincinnati. And basically, she was 99% done, and the furnace went out over the weekend, and then the pipes burst and flooded the entire house wow. that she was about to list. So she called us back and said, Jarius, I need to sell this property that I just bought from you guys. Can you wholesale it for me again? And I was like, yeah, that should, shouldn't be an issue. That's fine. And at this time I'm renting an apartment. So okay. we try, we try wholesaling this house and nobody would buy it. We couldn't sell it again. It's in an A plus area. Nobody would buy it. And, and I just, I just, just blew my mind. I'm like, I don't understand. I don't understand. So basically I told her, I'm like, so the bank didn't know at this point, an individual did. So I knew I could get financing for it. Right. So, I asked her if I could just buy it and live in it and essentially house hack it, right? Basically where I live in it and I'll rent out a couple of bedrooms or Mm -hmm. you do a house hack multifamilies. You buy a four unit using a 3% down conventional loan or FHA loan, and then you rent out to the other units. So basically I bought this house. I bought the house back from her for $147,000. And over the course of the next six, seven months, I was wholesaling deals and then putting money in this house to fix it up. So I fixed it up, and by the time it was done, it was worth $300,000. And I bought wow. it for $145,000. So I had about $100,000 equity. line. So I pulled a line of credit against it, a HELOC, okay. home equity line of credit. That is essentially a credit card against your house, right? Yep. I added so much value. I fixed the house up. I was able to get about $100,000. It ended up being $130,000. So okay. I had that, and I'm like, we're ready to go. So-,
2: so your initial financing, was it from the seller, or you went to... Okay. There you go. Yep, All got,
0: right. Yep. I got my VA loan. So I put down 3% on a 100, 150,000. It's like $4,500. Not a lot of money. It's still doable today. I know, I know, I know prices are more expensive. I know everything's a lot more, but I really think one thing we need to be teaching people is like right out of high school, instead of going to college, save 3% and house, act something, just save $10,000 yeah. and buy something for 300 grand. And, and if you're in a market where you can't do that, then move to one where you can like yeah. it, it's such a powerful tool. House hacking is just your very first deal. And um, it it's just the amount of wealth you can get is it, it just doesn't stop. It keeps compounding. Yeah. And
2: it, it just really starts you off on the right track because you start off going right into ownership and then not only ownership, but now you're an investor, you know, beginning because now you have people where you're living for free and people are paying you to live in that, in that, uh, house or room with you and you're building wealth immediately.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're appreciating about 5% a year. And then every time you make a mortgage payment, you're paying down 5% principal reduction. So that's like 10% a month. And got, I mean, after, after four or five, six, seven years, that's that's a ton of money. That stuff adds up really, really fast. Yep, yep. So, so now we had this money. I had this money. And my friend, my partner um, that I did a ton of wholesaling with had some money too. So we're like, we're going to find our first investment properties. So we ended up buying these two properties in Mount Healthy in Cincinnati. And that's like a suburb, like way outside of Cincinnati, nothing going on there. There were three beds, three bed, one bath, ranch on a slab. So we bought them and we were like, yeah, we're going to be rich. This is awesome. So I called my friend Nate. I'm like, hey, we just bought these these, uh, two houses. And Nate's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like we're buying houses, we're buying properties. He's like, no, you can't buy there. He's like, there's no growth. There's no jobs. There's nothing happening there. Nobody's going to be there. Like the area is not that good. Like it's not going to be any better next year or the year after there's nothing happening. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do? And he's like, you got to, you got to buy somewhere different. Like, you got to buy in the city. You got to look where the jobs are. You got to look where things are happening and right. whatever else. So, so I basically sold those, so, sold my interest in those properties to my partner. Then I got my money back. And then I, I found a deal in this part of Cincinnati called the incline district. That's the time. Nobody would go to the Incline District, even though with help, my, help my friend Nate Kang was telling me about it, what's going on there. It had just got deemed uh, entertainment district in Cincinnati, which means okay. that they were given five liquor licenses to bring in new restaurants, to bring in new restaurants, and some kind of growth. And and it and it was just it was up and coming, big time. But at the time, people didn't really see that. So, yeah. so the I path ed- of progress. You you were looking at the path of progress, which oh, yeah. is good, which is really yep. good. Yeah. So I ended up. Finding a wholesale deal up there that I that I bought, I ended up wholesaling it to myself. So I bought the property for seventeen five. Or I got it under contract for seventeen five, and then I charged myself a five thousand dollar assignment fee. And okay. just just because when you're when you're getting started in your wholesaling, like that money coming in from wholesale deals kind of helps pay the pay the bills while you're yeah, in yeah. for the back food on stuff. the table. Yep, exactly. So so I bought it for seventeen five, and then I put about. 115 125,000 into it so i was into the whole deal for about one hundred and fifty thousand. so so but then before i even put any money into it i bought the property and there was actually a restaurant that just opened right right across the street from this house almost, almost directly across the street had wow. awesome views had awesome views of downtown cincinnati so i took an uber up to this restaurant right after i uh, closed on it and the uber driver is like well good luck finding an uber home from here and I was like, "What do you? What do you mean? Like, wh- why?" And he's like, "Well, Ubers don't come to this part of the neighborhood." I'm like, "What do you mean they don't come?" He's like, "There's just a lot of crime here and it's dangerous." And I'm like, "I'm like, no, they they have to come." Like, I'm just I just spent all my money on an investment property here. Like, it has mm-hmm. to be a good area. Uh, but he was right; an Uber didn't come. I had to call an Uber black car to get a ride home. So it ended up being this whole thing. But I, I basically bought that property, put that money into it, it as a three unit, and it was about a, about into it for about 150 thousand, and the, it was essentially my first burr my first five okay. renovates rent refinance repeat my first burr without knowing what a burr was it was just kind of what i was doing right so i bought it i was into it for one hundred and fifty thousand with all my own cash between my home equity line of credit and just cash that i had put in from wholesaling and mm-hmm. just put more money in the house so i went to the bank and i'm like please give me a loan for this and they're like all right cool we'll get an appraisal and see what it comes back at. So we got an appraisal. The appraisal came back at $135,000. Wow. $15,000 less than what I am. And then of that, the bank gives you back 75% of that, which ends up being about $101,000. So I had $101,000 back, but I was in the South for 150. So like I always, I left about 50 grand in the deal. And Mm -hmm. all while that was happening and I was renovating, uh, rehabbing the street, I was still out in this neighborhood just stickering houses, driving for dollars, um, sending out letters, just connecting with neighbors, seeing what's going on, and I took this money, this hundred one thousand, and I did what I should have done the first time: is I leveraged it. So basically, I ha- had relationships with hard money lenders I'd met through REA, and I'd met through other investors that I was wholesaling houses huh? to because I would meet their lenders as well, and I told them basically I. I told this uh, lender that I built an awesome relationship with, I still borrow money from to this day. Hey, I've got these other houses that I want to do, and I just want to borrow money from them. So I took this $100,000 and leveraged it and was able to do uh, four or five houses at at a time to scale, to start buying more apartments, basically putting down about $15,000 per property, and then just refinancing out of them. Now, a big Part of the Burr method that makes it successful um, is when you get the money back at closing, right? Because when you get that money back at closing, when you add value to that property, you get it back tax-free because it's debt. Oh. You're basically taking on a mortgage, so you can't be taxed on debt. So on on my journey in the Incline District, this was about four years into my wholesaling. So I saw about two years left of wholesaling. I wasn't really getting money back on the Burr stuff, right? I was maybe getting back like five thousand, six thousand, okay, and sometimes just breaking even on the bursting. thing but I knew the area was up and coming and I knew there was a better upside and I, I just knew it was going to happen. So I look up like two years has gone by and then I was up to like 30 some units in this neighborhood. Wow. And that's, that's when I was like, I'm not going to wholesale anymore. I'm better off managing my properties better, really coming up with better systems and just spending more time, just spending more time on, on the properties and growing and scaling the whole rental business. So that's what I did. That's when we kind of called it quits, got to 30 units and just decided, just kind of like this is some of the team. Okay. Right? It was like, guys, you know. And I was flipping a couple houses too, here and there too, to make money. And those houses I probably should have kept as birds as well. But my my strategy at the time, I mean, it still is basically today too, for the most part, is like I I don't want any single family rentals, even though I ha- I have like eight of them. But yeah. I just like two two units, four units, like stuff like that's really nice and it's easy to scale that.
2: Yeah, and and and, and it and it limits the risk. One of the things that I always tell people. Yes, having single family houses, you know, seem to be easy. You got one roof, you got one furnace, everything like that. But the thing about it is you have one tenant. When that tenant leaves, you have 100% vacancy versus if you have a four unit, one tenant leave, the other three are there. Okay, now you're only 25% vacant versus 100% vacant. Um, so no, I completely get it. So you guys that's listening out there, if you're looking at being a landlord, probably look at Two, two units, three units, four units on up, unless you just have a thing for single family houses.
0: Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of that. And like, what a lot of people don't understand is like, it is the cost of turning an apartment for a small landlord. Like, I say I have 50 units now. I'm still a small landlord, but there's a huge cost in that. The yep. apartment stays. You know, you you evict somebody, you have to get rid of a tenant. They're gone. You lose a month there, and then you got to spend two weeks turning it. So you lose a couple weeks there. Then you got to market it. Then you got lose. A couple weeks there and then you rent it best case scenario you get someone to move in the next day like which doesn't always happen i mean right. it's about a three, a three month swing and that's a big that's a big deal when um when you're getting going when you're getting going
2: absolutely absolutely so jarius what are you doing now because i know you said you have the 50 units so you leverage that hundred grand to get up to 50 units and that yeah. was one through your relationships And now you you constantly speak of a RIA. Why was the RIA so important for you and help push you along your journey?
0: And you just get connected with like-minded people, right? You're just around people that are doing the business, that are learning, that want to see people succeed. It's just really, really, it's just a really great tool just to, just to be around people that want to teach. It's, it's just good to be around these kind of people. Cause like I always say, like we have a, my friend Nate, so my good friend Nate now has an academy. For where he teaches Burr specifically, and I help him with that. Okay. And we we do lots of meetups with different people. And I tell everybody, I'm like, guys, we're all in a safe zone right now, right? We're all we're all real estate. We all know what it feels like. We all get the struggles, we get everything. But when we like leave these doors, when we exit here, we're like in the real world, and people think we're crazy, they think we're evil landlords, they think this, they think that, they think real estate's gonna crash. Like, we're not in our safe, comfortable place anymore, right? right? So it's nice to, to To come back and like feel that feeling again and get recharged, right? It's like it's like just because I showered on Monday doesn't mean I'm not going to shower on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's only shower on Monday. Like you, you gotta like bathe yourself in this energy all the time, as often as you can And you're one thing you're gonna find too is like your friends are going to be people that are doing this business. Like the friends that you've had before, that like your good friends, like they'll still they're still your friends, but like they're just not gonna get it, right? They're just not gonna get it the way that somebody else is like. Man, I just I just I have to drop a three day on the door. Like, who that sucks me. So what are you gonna do? I'm like, that's, well, you tell somebody else. Like, I just had to drop a three day, and they're like, that's fine. Do You want to go get some tacos or something? Like, do, right? They don't understand like, it. Yeah, they don't care. They don't know what they don't know what that means next. Like, they don't. They, yeah. they don't have to process.
2: So, so let me ask you this: Did you ever go through a period of uncertainty going through real estate?
0: Yeah, I mean, big time. Like when I was buying in that area, like it was not. It was just not easy. It was. Like I, I wasn't like – I, like I was saying, I was wholesaling to get money to come back in, and, and I couldn't wholesale as much because I was focusing more on certain flips or certain like construction projects. like, And and what I did wholesale, every penny went back into like these properties. And even though I was borrowing money from people, I didn't borrow enough money because I never wanted to have to bring money to closing, right? I, I, mm-hmm. and I I wanted, to, I was being super, super conservative and I was still very lucky that I was still wholesaling real estate to do this. And I tell so many people are like, well, I can't hold. I can't, I can't buy a rental. I have a full-time job. And I'm like, man, you need to buy rentals because you have a full-time job. Right. You have guaranteed income. Like I envy that. Like I was never in a spot where I had that. Like I, it was so hard. It just was really hard. It just got so yeah. hard so many times. And I just had to push through. I mean, I know the alternative was like, get a job and like, I'm probably unemployable. I applied at one point to go work at a dot loop in Cincinnati or in Zillow. And they never called me back because I just wasn't qualified to do real estate for that. So, <laughs> so, so and,
2: now that was a good, that was a really good point that you made about having a full-time job because a lot of people want to get into real estate investing. They say, well, I'm going to get into that and I'm going to go full-time. I'm going to quit my job and everything like that. But sometimes it's probably best to start part-time because you have that full-time job. You have that W-2 income. So now your financing is a little bit easier versus if you're full-time, you got to be creative to get financing because bank's not going to finance you.
0: Yeah, big time, big time. I mean, when I tell people like on my rental loans, I pay five and a half percent, whatever it is. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. I'm like, it's just what it, like it's a yeah. DSCR loan. I mean, these are the loans that you get but when you're making 25% on a property, 5 percent's not a big deal. Like they don't look at my tax returns. They don't look at this. Like it's all, it's right. all different. It's all just different. So, and so, so explain, to to, go through
2: it. explain
0: to the people that don't understand what that type of loan is. So basically the DSLR loans are like a debt, debt service coverage loans. So that's where they lend money on the asset. Not just, the, not just the individual, like they're going to pull your personal credit. You're gonna to wanna to make sure you're above like a 680, 650, whatever mm-hmm. that certain lender is. But it's basically where they look at the property and they see the cash flow and they wanna make sure the cash flow can service the debt at whatever formula they have in place. So it's it's a loan based on the property more than the individual. Okay. So if somebody
2: was interested in that, where where would they go? Is it like a small bank or is it? Big banks, Bank of America, or is it
0: private lenders? De- mm-hmm. Definitely not Bank of America. Definitely <laughs> not big banks. That, nothing like that. I, I mean, they're they're on. There's like, I mean, you want me to name a couple or? I, no, I was just because I want people to understand. Kind yeah, is it like a small community there. bank? No, they're they're big on they're big banks, mostly like online kind of banks that specialize in working with real estate investors. And okay. we can drop some links here to some that we've used. We can talk about it after this, but. Sure. Um, they're definitely they're definitely out there. They're definitely out there, but you're not going to go to any brick and mortar banks typically and find banks that will do that. So, okay. gotcha. to keep in mind.
2: Yeah, I just wanted people to understand that there's there's non traditional ways to get into real estate to, to own prop versus. All right, I gotta have a 720 credit score. I gotta go to Bank of America, Chase Bank, apply for a loan. You know, submit all of these W twos and everything like that. There's alternatives. Out there, and when you're around the right people, you become you you gain more wisdom in the arena in which you're working in. So you learn about these different loans, you learn about private money, hard money, things like that. So if you're a novice, you're just getting started. That's why it's important. Like Jerry said, go to your rear. That way, you could be around the people that has the experience that's doing it, and they can lead you into the right direction without you paying fifty thousand dollars, hundred thousand dollars for a guru to teach you something that, you know, the RIA can teach you, you know, for a couple of hundred bucks a, a year.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's so many good resources. And and this, also speaking about the lenders is a, a lender that I used a lot to do my cash out to actually cash out in the birth side was a small local lender. I met at RIA. So in addition to these big, big banks that are online doing stuff in convent, uh, unconventional ways is I also tell people if, if you can find small local banks to like any bank that has less than five branches and call and talk to their lending department and let them know exactly what you wanna do. But it's important you know what you're saying. Like you've gotta know Mm -hmm. what what seasoning, you guys have a seasoning period. What's the seasoning period? Seasoning period is the amount of of days you've owned the property, right? Some places need a year of seasoning. So you have to own it for one year. Well, that doesn't work if we're trying to burr because we need to finish this property and keep the money moving. Some places have 60 days, which is fine because by the time you're done, Sixty days is, sixty days is pretty typical to finish the project and be able to burr out of it. But all of that kind of stuff that, that I didn't really know a on about. You know, my friend Nate helped me help me really really get good and figure figure it all out. So, so now I've got these units right. I've got these thirty units, and yep. I'm kind of figuring out like what to do. A years go by, kind of adding stuff here and there, doing my thing, and then COVID hits. Right, everything kind of stops yep. for a little bit, and. I, am kind of like, so I'm kind of like slowed down. I don't really have a ton of stuff going on. And I, so, and I, Nate's always been a mentor of mine still to this day. We do tons of stuff and I go, I call Nate. I'm like, man, Nate, I gotta figure out what to do next. And he's like, well, is it come over? He's like, bring, you know, bring your, your schedule of debt, basically all the real estate I own, what I owe on it and everything. So I bring my, I bring my computer over, we're going over stuff. And I, at this time I owned, a, I owed about $2 million to the bank for my properties, but there were worth six about almost six million dollars. And, okay. like, and he's like, congratulations. I'm like, what? He's like, he's like, brother, he's like, you've got he's like, you're a millionaire. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I, I never really like ever stopped to think about like my equity, right? How the right. properties have grown, the values or any of that stuff. And I was like, well, what do I do now? And he's like, well, he's like, you've had these for some of these other ones you've had for about five years. And he's like, get the cash out and let's do something bigger. So I ended up bundling about a million dollars in loans. And uh, got about five hundred thousand dollars out in so in my equity. So okay. I took I, I took about five hundred um, thousand dollars on the first round, and went and invested in a hotel. So about a wow, year okay. ago, I bought my first hotel. I bought a Hampton and the Staybridge. So I'm a part of the GP, the general partnership, of two hotels now. Which it's like a crazy jump to go from fifty units. Like you think like you have to have five thousand units or. 50 1500 units or whatever to get to this jump but you don't it's literally goes back to that saying is your net worth determines your net worth and so. i was just around people that were doing it and they, they've they set they've seen me go 10 years into the making right and, and and basically kind of just like helped me get to this level that i thought was, was just not real like i knew hotels existed i didn't know people owned them like right i, I just i didn't <laughs> thought they were like franchise like i thought they were corporate i thought this and that and, He's like, he's like, because I, I asked him, I'm like, should like, should I go buy like a 50 unit now or something? He's like, well, why don't you just buy a hotel with us? He's like, we got this really good package we're we're closing on. And and then like eight hotels right now, they're just killing it. And they're doing big developments in Florida and big developments like just in different parts of the country. And the way I look at it is like, all right, maybe maybe this is the move because I stayed in wholesale land a little too long. So now if I if I'm able to like jump the gap from from having to buy 50 unit apartments because eventually you buy these 50 units because you want to scale bigger yep. some people do, some people yep. don't. but i definitely do and i love the idea in the hotel businesses is like is there's a management team in place right i mean i'm not going to get calls for faucets like we have an on staff people that take care of that there's a gm there's all these different people that take care of it now the returns turns are good but i feel like i've gotten really good returns by myself but just by me owning my properties, I've never had partners. I've done everything pretty mm-hmm. much. So this is kind of like a new a new venture, new venture. for me into the hotel yep. world. But I'm doing that. But I'm also still going to add four units here, two units here, six units here, and just keep going and doing what got me there. And at the end of the day, I still left about two million dollars in equity in these properties. So maybe so in the you next still have months, that. yeah, I still I still have that sitting there to figure out where to deploy next whenever the time comes. But that's pretty much. I mean, my progression in real estate has been, in the meantime, too, here and there, I actually got my real estate license when I was wholesaling as well. Because my uh-huh. philosophy was, and I got it when I started my own company, because when I, when I couldn't negotiate with a seller to, to buy their house that would make a good wholesale deal, is I offered the seller the option if I to list their house at 1%, 2%. Because it goes back to the saying I say all the time, it's like, do you want some of the money or none of the money? Yeah, and back when you're getting going some of the money is way, way better than none. So, so that definitely helped keep me going.
2: And that's what I tell a lot of people. I say, you know, why not get your license? Because you have another option to provide for the seller, you know, and a lot of people, I don't want to get, get my license because I don't want to jump through all of the hoops that the brokerage make me go through and everything like that. But just like you said, with banks, you know, there's different brokerages. You can go with the big, you know, Keller Williams, Coldwell Banker, everything like that. Or you can find, a smaller boutique brokerage where they give you that latitude, you know, to where you can do some things creative as long as you're within the uh, department of real estate guidelines. So Jarius, man, excellent show. Excellent show. I mean, we went from wholesaling to 30 units to, you know, investing in, in an area that was appreciation appreciating up and coming to hotels, man. So, We talked about what you were doing next. What we want to do right now, man. We want to put you on the on the hot seat. We're gonna put put Darius, Jarius on the hot seat real quick. So Jarius,
0: starting over, what would you do differently? I I would have searched for like a mentor sooner. I would have searched. I would have searched. I would have. I would have carried my philosophy that I have now is always always have somebody you want to work towards being like, and then always have somebody that you're helping get to where you're at. I, I would've just, I would've dove into my community, my real estate community, way deeper, way faster. It's okay. such an important network to be in. Perfect, and
2: a lot of people, you know what, when I ask this question, that's one of, one of the main things that people say is, I would've hired a mentor or a coach a lot sooner than what I did. Okay, great. Uh, what is your greatest commodity outside of capital? What's your greatest resource? I mean, time. Okay. time. All right. What is one thing you can do to be more productive so you can get some of that time?
0: Delegate. All right. (laughs) Get better at delegating. And one thing that I've gotten a lot better at, too, is only doing like hell yeah deals. Like when I when I walk into a place that I want to buy to keep as a rental, like if I if I'm not instantly like I have to have this. If I don't feel that, like got to get it, got to get it feeling, then I'm just not buying it because I I got to get that feeling of like I got to have this. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, what drives your
2: ambition? Because you you seem to be a very ambitious guy.
0: Man, I just want, I just want, I just want to leave something. Just leave something big. Like my family came, my family came here from Jordan with nothing, like 1978. And like I was say, like they didn't come here, like they didn't come here just to be like for us to just be average, right? Like my dad worked three jobs, nonstop. My mom always was like worked to do all this stuff. And it's like if I if I if I was just like some big loser that did like nothing right and that didn't make like a huge impact not saying like you know in a a negative way or anything like that but if i but if i was just like a drunk or just an idiot that just took advantage of that like like if i didn't do that then all of all of what they did would be for nothing right so i've just got to leave something bigger than what, what what i was given and just like my son like i hope he leaves something bigger than what he was given and and you continue to give back and and do that kind of stuff too
2: Great, great, great. All right. What do you believe is your greatest
0: challenge if it's internal or external? So honestly, sometimes it can be like uh, staying motivated can kind of be tough sometimes because like you're not, especially like when I was, like I worked my best when I was like hungry, right? My back was against the wall and stuff like that. And sometimes I just find myself like, ah, let's get to the office at like, 1030. Yeah. like ah, Take the know, day off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just wait. I'll just do this. Like it's so easy during the summer too because like, you know, like my son's out of school. So like, and part of the reason, you know, we did this is like you pay the dues, right? You work 10 years, nine years to do this. So we'll go do pool days and stuff. But I just have to decide what's next for me. Like I know I'm in the hotels. I'm, I'm going to keep doing that. Keep adding stuff. It's like, how fast do I want to scale? But, you know, I mean, that, that's the challenging part is just kind of staying, staying motivated. Because again, in real estate, nobody's going to make you do anything, right? You yeah. You work to get paid. Like you have to put in the work to get paid. So the amount you make is a direct, direct uh, proportion of work you put in.
2: There you so. go. There you go. So Jarius, man, thank you so much. Excellent show. I know the people got a wealth of information from this, starting from wholesaling all the way up to hot- hotels. You covered a lot, man. How can we find you? How can we reach you if we want some more information?
0: Basically, I have Instagram, Jarius D, J-I-R-I-E-S-D. Do a lot of stuff on there. I- have a wholesale course. It's not expensive. It's $500, but I teach like all kinds of really cool stuff. A friend of mine, Nate has a Burr course that I help uh, do stuff on, teaches buy and hold method. I think they're both super beneficial. Like you're going to learn a ton, a ton from both, but I also have a book, Real Estate Investing 101. Okay. So I'm sure we'll drop a link for that on Amazon, but I'm on here, man. I'm, I just like to help. Like that's why I think I think a big thing of where I see myself six to twelve months is just like, like helping more people do do deals like i'll I'll continue to do like the deals here and there, but I have people that work for me that I help, you know I helped the one guy Dylan that works for me buy a, his first two unit, getting seller financing. He brought two hundred and sixty dollars to closing and didn't have to put a you know didn't have to put any more money than that to get the deal. but i I just love like this helping people get the deals and taking everything that I've learned, all the mistakes I've made and everything, and then, just seeing, just seeing what happens with everybody yeah. else.
2: Perfect, perfect. So you guys, you got his Instagram. You got how to get in contact with them. So. What you need to do right now is you got the instructions. We need you to apply these instructions and put them into action. So Jarius, I really want to appreciate you being here again. Thank you so much for taking your time out to be with the We Love Equity Real Estate family on today. And we want to applaud everything that you're doing, man. In 10 years going from zero to owning hotels, that's a big step. And you really need to pat yourself on the back and
0: applaud yourself for all of the work that you put in, sir. Thank you, man. I, I hope I hope the viewers got a lot of good stuff out of this and know that they can do it. Doesn't always happen overnight, but it, it happens. I'm telling you, it happens.
2: All right. So, in parting, guys, you know what to do. Always remember to enjoy the journey. All right, guys, that was Jerry's Dower. And he's from Cincinnati. He he really spoke about a lot of good things there, especially how he got started and how he transitioned from wholesaling to buying rentals, to buying multifamilies, to then buying hotels and being a general partner with the hotels. So remember, there's always steps that you need to take. You don't go from one area immediately to the next. There's a gradual progression. And you got to have some patience. You got to have some persistence in order to get there. So what I want to offer you today is we have an opportunity for you to work directly with myself and my partner, Mike Delpre, we have a course called The Well, the Wholesale Equity Learning Lab. So if you want to get started in real estate, you want to get started uh, wholesaling, so you get that journey started, you need to be a part of the Wholesale Equity Learning Lab. We'll make sure we have the sh- the links in the show notes, and if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, remember always go to marcusemaloney.com. You can schedule a free 15 minute consultation with me. You will be on the phone with me, not a representative, no one else. If you have any questions about getting started in real estate, definitely feel free to pick up the phone, schedule some time with me, and I'll be on the phone with you. So, guys, thank you so much for being a part of the We Love Equity family, and we look to see you around the community. Even more. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guests as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.